What is going on, people? Happy New Year. This is Edgar Otravez bringing you another episode of the Flowro Podcast. And in this episode, I have Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt John Lawrence from Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland. We're going to be talking about goal setting and the competitive mindset and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, if you're new to the show and you want to find out more, head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can find plenty of our merch to support the podcast. Now, every year, we all try to set our goals. We think new year, new me. It doesn't have to be cheesy. I know people like to knock New Year's resolutions and make fun of people who set them, but you're setting goals, right? So get in the right mindset. That's why I got John on the episode. I want him to talk to us about mindset and goal setting to get us kind of inspired. It doesn't have to be cheesy. It's goal setting. Sure, everybody does it every year, and we all see the people who sign up at the gym at the beginning of the year and then fall off. It doesn't have to be that way. So I really enjoy talking to John about jujitsu and all this kind of stuff. I really get a lot out of this. I hope you guys do too. So on with the show. Yeah, it's just to like make sure everybody it's knows. All it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> so, um, welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. This is Edgar Otravez, and this is our one hundred, one hundred and one, ah, a hundred and one. This is episode one hundred and one. So I'm gonna have to cut all that out because. Uh, uh, 100 first 101st episode 101st episode yeah 101 episode 101 um so and today on the podcast i have john lawrence again from hurricane jiu-jitsu out on cleveland and i wanted to start the new year right so i have john on here to help us talk about mindset get our goals going for the new year how are you doing john to be back man yeah i could talk i could talk jujitsu with you all day oh dude i i feel like every time i talk to you it just puts me on a new level dude like seriously like i just like man i never thought of that shit or i I didn't think i didn't know that you can you can do this or that i could do that or especially like the last time we talked and your honesty in in terms of like what you do in terms of your research for jujitsu oh yeah sure that was super enlightening I, i think in the community there's there's a couple different you know paths right uh and some people kind of like oh don't don't bother with the videos don't bother with youtube you know class is where it's at Mm. and then there are people like yourself who study other other people um and i think that was that was enlightening because i always felt that it was not allowed it was frowned upon oh you're a youtube Jiu-jitsu sometimes guy. it was. I mean, yeah, sometimes it was friend upon. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it, it depends on the quality of the content that you're researching, right? So I, I think uh, you're not just going to some guy on YouTube. You're you're researching some of the better players in the game. So, yeah. uh, so uh, I think uh, that has a lot <laughs> to do with it. So um, thanks so much again for the one time I went over there. I, I'm planning to go on and again if you have me. Uh, but yeah, you got to come back, man. We should do uh, we should do an in person podcast and you know roll some more. That'd be that'd be sweet, dude. I would love that. Uh, I've been working on the on the double leg wrap because well, here's the thing. So 
I've gotten to this point where I've played kind of like the same game over and over and over again, right? And I'm beginning to think that maybe I should try something new because I'm not really filling the holes in my game. Uh, I want to basically do what comedians do, you know, how they retire and act. I want to kind of retire this game that I have developed since basically I was a white belt. And I and I was getting to that point until I rolled with you. And I was like, oh shit, you know, there's there's still stuff I can do here. You know, Ooh. so like oh, yeah, you, for sure. So like you posted this the double leg rap um like Khabib style thing on your YouTube channel, which I checked out. Mm-hmm. And I shared with everybody on my team too, by the way. Oh, um, cool, cool. So we've all been playing that game a little bit. And uh they are all now this is great too by the way because now that i try the double leg wrap pass on them for a while there it was not working mm-hmm. and i i i shared that those videos and i taught them i taught them everything that we talked about and how i do it and so they basically shut that part of it down for a long time i was i was not passing but then um you know i figured you know with some of the videos that you posted and some of the things that I kind of came up with my, on my own, I'm beginning to pass again using that, that game. Um, but it's one of those things that I do. It's just like, I share everything that I have in my game with my team or not my team, but the team. Sure. Yeah. And I get to a point where they start to shut the stuff down, which is great. And then I have to go different. I have to find new ways of implementing the game. Uh, But now I'm finally at a point where I'm thinking I should retire this game. What do you, do you do anything like that similar? Do you think that's silly? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess I have questions about it. Uh, I guess the first thing I want to know is, is why, like why, what would be, I'm not, I'm not saying this in like a pointed way, but, but really what would be, for you, what would be the, the, the function or the purpose of, of retiring it, you know, retiring it or, or some aspect of it? Yeah. Um, so, for example, again, just because we're familiar with the, the double leg pass thing. Sure and, sure. and you know what I'm talking about here. I, I use that a lot. Um, but it's gotten to the point where it's like it's the only thing I use when I have difficulty. I want to have options. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So same thing with some of the other things that I that I play in the game. Right. So uh let's just say I don't, but let's just say I you know, I use you know, uh I go to the back a lot and I like to use my rear naked choke or Mataleon a lot, right? I, I've let's say I've developed that game really well. Sure. I want to <coughs> move to a point where I can have something else I can go to. Right. Okay. Um, for example, just in my game alone, uh, my north south game is pretty lousy. Right. Mm-hmm. I should start forcing myself to play a game where I have to use the north south more, so that I can learn to be more effective using mm-hmm. the north south. And that's that's the motivation for what I'm what I'm thinking of. Okay. Do you think there's? Do you think that's silly? Like, should because I I'm. I've basically structured, I basically have a flow, right? 
-hmm. like mm -hmm. i know if i go here this guy is going to do this and then i'm going to do this and then i'm going to and if he doesn't do that or if he stuffs it or he does whatever i'm going to go this way and so i have all these branches all these paths sure to get to you know a few different games that i'm really good at i'm thinking get rid of it all start over from scratch not that i i think it's a bad game or anything weird like that it's just that um i want to have a new set of a new set of skills and a new path okay um, do you do anything similar like that yeah that's a <clears throat> that's a broad one um whew, where to start so i would say hmm i would say that okay we'll talk about a few different aspects of this but if you look at what if you look at what the best say competitors in the world do they it's no mystery what they're going to do most of the time most of the time um if you name a competitor um i could just use i could use competitors for my gym as an example um <clears throat> if one of my black belts uh, chris he's one of my black belts if he is if he's going to win a match like if, if i'm, if I'm going to send him into competition he's going to win a match and I know that I already know the outcome. Like I know that he won the match. Like we'll just say I can see into the future. I can tell you fairly predictably how he won the match. I could say that he probably hit a collar drag takedown, some uh, uh, variation of a uh, a stack pass or single leg stack variation, uh, got into side control and then worked this north south series where he passes the arm across and then gets like a top side uh, Kimura series finish. Okay. <clears throat> and you can say that about probably most of the best competitors in the world. Like what they do really well is they'll, they'll force their opponent. They'll funnel them down a very specific pathway. And if the opponent starts to sort of leave that pathway, they're, they're outstanding at drawing them back in, uh, having, having positional um, safeguards and variations where if, if that little little branch, that little pathway in their A game fails, they can reel the person back in really well. But they, <clears throat> the best guys in the world are just so good at forcing people into the positions where they're the best. Um, so that's really just addressing what the best competitors in the world do. Now, it might be a question as to whether or not like that's important important to you or important to you know, anybody who's thinking about their game, but that is what the best competitors in the world do. Um, <clears throat> so that's one thing. I really like your, your branches analogy because I, I, I think you should think of, of, this is a little simplistic, but I think you should think of jujitsu as, uh, as, a, as a tree. And then you've got these main, you know, main forks off the tree and you've got, you've got uh, branches and limbs and then twigs and leaves, you know, uh, you kind of go deep with that analogy, but um, I think that's a really useful way to think about it. <clears throat> um, I wouldn't cut your tree down. You wouldn't you know what that. I mean? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I, I like it, it's, <clears throat> well, I don't know. I guess, I guess you'd have to define like throwing away your game. Like, are you, are you going to, do you mean that you would very intentionally stay out of your A game positions? Like even if you have a, even if you, have the possibility to funnel the person in, or even if the person is practically running into it, you're just going to sort of 
for you, you, you're going to force them out of that position and into another, like what would, well, okay. So let me, let me uh, kind of define the terms of how I'm doing this or how I would do this. I'm not, I haven't done it yet. Um, let's just say this is more just for training. If I, if, if I go to a competition, first of all, I don't compete. It's competed in a while, but like, if I were to go to competition, I'm going to use the best of what I have from whatever game. Right. Mm. And, and just go with whatever path I end up taking in whatever game I have uh, or whatever game is presented to me while I'm playing. Um, In training, um, again, depending on who it is and who comes in, if, if some, you know, some dude comes off the street and uh, we need to play enforcer or just kind of chill him out. If he's a little spazzy, I'm just going to go with what's safe. You know, I'll go with my sure. A game mostly because I want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. I don't get hurt. Everything's fine. I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that, that would be one of the scenarios. But if I'm training with my, with the team that I'm in, it would just be a new game just for the sake of what I'm telling you to kind of grow a new game. So are you thinking you wouldn't chop down the tree in practice as well? Or, or just in competition? Because I could see that I wouldn't do that in competition. Competition, I'm going to go yeah, with the A game. A, yeah, that's a given. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess you use the uh, the comedian analogy. And I guess maybe that, that analogy throw me a little bit because those guys will legitimately never tell the same joke ever again. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Obviously, some, some of them will do. They'll bring some of yeah, Yeah, because some, sometimes people will ask for it. And and they'll throw it out, but yeah, there's some guys who just forgotten their sure. their act. I don't want to forget my game. Okay, okay. You know, yeah. I just want to grow a new one. So there, I think there there are two ways to think about that. Um, one is going to be the way I. So let's just rem- remember these two points so we can hit them both. One one would be the way that. Um, the way that you sort of always want to train and then the way that you want to train when you feel like you're bored or you're plateaued or you're in a rut. So let's just take the first one. Um, if you listen to that, that podcast that I was on last night, you would probably, you probably heard me talk about how I really like students to work on stuff that they either want to uh, improve upon or, um, maybe it's just like uh, the theme of the week or something new, but, but anytime you're building a skill that isn't, excuse me, isn't yet developed. um, I think it's really useful to practice those techniques and those skills on people who, you know, um, who don't have the skill to counter you basically like, you know, uh, people who've been training for six months, eight months, a year, um, people in this range, people your size, you know, people uh, around your age, just basically, basically people that you can, you can predictably do, you know, almost what you want, but you're still getting a lot like a live feel. Mm-hmm. I would say in those situations, uh, so I'll give you an example of something that I'm working on right now. Um, <clears throat> one of my instructors, uh, Travis, he, he has a really outstanding uh, Barambolo game that he will connect to these different like crab ride hooks and these X hooks and he's great at it. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to be one of the main 
you know, branches or, or limbs on my tree, but uh, out of just curiosity and also wanting to, to expand my horizons a little bit, um, this is like all that I've been drilling lately. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it's no resistance drilling, I can drill with him uh, and I can drill with the higher ranks. But <clears throat> when it actually comes time to execute it live, it would be an absolute waste of time to try to do it against him at this moment. It would be an absolute waste of time to try to do it against my, my brown belts, certainly the black belts. It would be, it would be a waste of time because <clears throat> it's, that, it's that incremental progress thing that we've talked about before. Um, I'm going to do zero resistance drilling with you know, pretty much whoever. I mean, just, you just want to sort of go through the motions with some intelligent reaction. Um, I would do very light specific training with guys like Travis or my other brown belts when they're giving me a live feel and they're only fighting back a little bit, but they're still letting me do my thing. Maybe out of 10 attempts, I have success eight or nine times. They counter me once or twice, right? But to try to do that against them, like in, in the context of them competitively, you know, trying to beat me, it, to me, that strikes me as an absolute waste of time until you work up to that level. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm currently at the point where I can, I can tip, invert, and start to really attack the back of uh, guys who are sort of like blue belt level, mid blue belt level, um, maybe, you know, maybe a purple belt or two. Mm-hmm. But over the next several weeks, like this is what this is going to be my focus. Um, obviously, in addition to like getting ready for competitions, but um, <clears throat> if I'm j- if I just have extraneous drilling time, this is this is how I'm going to think about improving in that position. Um, Good. So, like, okay, so I, I I I understand what you're talking about, but I don't understand why you would say it would be a waste of time because um, eventually you'll start hitting it on. Sure. The sure. above belts. I mean, at least for me, sure. Like if I go for something and I and I get stuffed or you know, or I get I get smashed or whatever, it's you know, and I know it's not an ego thing for you, uh, but and it wouldn't be an ego thing for me if if I try something and it doesn't work and it fails, why uh, I can try again later, you know, but what sure. is what is why would it be a waste of time? If it fails, is, is it more just because you want to succeed in the mood in, in the in the in the move? You don't want to get used to getting to losing. Is that what it is? Uh, that's a very that, I would say, say it's a small part of it. But also, <clears throat> like, you have to remember that you're still going to fail against those guys anyway. Like those guys that you that you may or may not fail against. Like what? Like once you work through and I used I'm mean, only using the belts as a guideline. But once I'm able to do that on white belts, blue belts, purple belts, <clears throat> I will cross the, cross that threshold where I start to try to do against brown belts and black belts. And inevitably I'm going to be at maybe a 50% success rate at that point, maybe lower. So the failure thing is still very much going to be there. Uh, in addition to the fact that not only you'll fail, but when it fails against those guys, you're going to pay for it in a way that you won't pay for it against the white belts, and the blue belts, because you'll be able to recover. You know, you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm only saying it's, it's a waste of time. And maybe that's, that language is too strong, but I'm only saying it's a waste of time because it would be like, it's not a perfect analogy, but it would be like, say that I could, I can bench 200 pounds. Right. And it's like, well, it's like saying, well, what's the harm in trying to, trying to bench 350, you know, yeah. it's like, well, maybe there's no harm, 
um, you know, or, or let's say deadlift, because now the weight doesn't even have any, the opportunity to fall on you. But you might throw your yeah. back out. So I can, I can deadlift 200 pounds, right? What's the harm in trying 350? In this case, there's virtually no harm. You're just going to have, you're going to have no, no success. So you'll get no feel for the movement. Um, you'll gain no, ex no real usable experience in the position. So at this time, for me to like Chris, my other black belt, for me to try to barambolo him at this point would only be throwing myself directly into side control and getting submitted Okay. at this time, at this time. Now you give, if you give me two or three months to incrementally work up to that, I'm going to spend so much time in the position and I'm going to spend so much time in little successful sections of that position. Like I'm just going to kind of live there for a little while. Whereas him, I'm not living there for even a moment. He's just, he's just, he's going to shut it down. I'll gain no experience in that position. I'll get no, no looks in that position. I'll have no success whatsoever. So I won't mm -hmm. get any, I won't get any better. Yeah. You know, just like you wouldn't get any stronger trying to pick up 350 off the floor with, with, with no success. You're not going to get stronger that way. Yeah. So. I, I agree. Um, but like, isn't that what a white belt goes through though? You know, like to, to, to a point, to a point, but they, yeah. they remember they, they also have other white belts in the room. Yeah. You know, so that they're, that they're, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, so if you, so that brings up an interesting point. If you were going to go to like, say I was going to get you ready for the worlds. Right. <clears throat> and I have two places to send to you. You're uh, you're brown belt, right? I'm a purple belt. A purple. Okay. So you're purple belt. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're like, if you said to me, Hey John, I've got two places I could go. I've got this one camp. That's 10 black belts, world-class four or five stripe black belts, 10, 10 in Brazil over here. Yeah. Or, or I could go out to the Midwest and I could train at the school that's got like a bunch of purple belts and brown belts, maybe a black belt. And then a bunch of blue belts I can strangle. Like, where would you, I would say, for sure go to that school in the Midwest and just like get your reps in because you, and it's, it's, it's on a, it's on a scale. It's on a, there's a gradient to it. But if I just throw you in there with 10 black belts, you're not, not even going to get a chance to practice anything. You're going to be completely overwhelmed. You you're know? absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I could see that. Yeah. And you know? you're just going to be somebody's, you know, strangle dummy, you know? I mean, just think of all the times that you've done like, that you've like worked positions in the gym and you've had those little moments when you're sparring where you do something well and you, and you're like, Oh, like a little light bulb goes on or maybe like you just something locks into place for you and you feel you're like, I get this move now. Mm -hmm. You'll never have those moments against all those, all those black belts. Yeah. You'll, you'll never have any of those. And, and even if you do get a little success, they're going to take it right back from you. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. So like, yeah. like you, you pass or you do something They're they're going to do something they're going to take it right back. And that moment is you're not going to get to even enjoy it. Right. You're not even going to get to, you know, the, like if you pass and you get a side control, they're going to just take it right back, put you in guard and then, you know, sweep you or whatever. Um, now here's the other, here's the other side of that. Like, so then somebody might go, well, well what are you saying? Are you saying that it, it would be best to just train with like, white belts all the time and then you could just put on a strangle fest and just practice like yeah. you know there's another side to the coin i mean that that is useful but also you have to i mean you just you just have to get up to the level of of technical proficiency and intensity that you're going to get from purple belts and brown belts and black belts like, can you never roll with anybody who's like around your level or better than you or better than you in certain spots then you're yeah you're not going to 
you're not going to grow into the person that you could grow into. You know, yeah. so you need both. You really do need both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Um, the other thing too is, is like having a reliable game uh, allows you to get to those positions that you need to work on too, right? So if sure. uh, if you're starting from scratch and you're not using any of the things that you're used to, you're just going to be getting flopped around again, you know? So let's say that you want to work like your North-South game. Yeah. But the guy you're going against is just a wicked wrestler. How are you ever going to get there? You know, you might have to implement your A game to get to your to your C game. Yeah. You know? Which is cool. I mean, it's totally fine, but it still has to be sharp. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So you convinced me. I'm not going to completely get rid of my game. I, I'm I actually like... not even sure what, I'm not even sure what, where we, oh yeah. The throwaway of the, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Thing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I mean, we like, but so we also talked about training, like point number two was like, if you feel like you're plateauing, mm -hmm. I think it is really good to do a, you know, to do it like a deep dive on some, maybe new position or, or obscure position. I mean, at my school, we, we really are starting to favor deep dives. I mean, our units now are three weeks long and I would even go longer depending on the position. I would even go four weeks or five weeks. You know, if mm. it was like, if it was a, a, you know, a spot that really required a lot of, a lot of time and attention and people, people really, really like the deep dives. Um, and, uh, there's something cool about it. So yeah, I mean, you could maybe you could leave your tree for a little while and go go elsewhere, but mm -hmm. like you definitely still you want to make sure that thing's healthy. You know? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, yeah, and I I also uh, appreciated some of the some of the things that you did at your school. Where um, the time I was there, you were doing. I've never seen anybody do this before, and for me, it was like holy cow, this is crazy. But you were starting from a Kimura grip on your side with the person's back on the ground. Yeah, I remember, and, yeah. and so I've never started from that position ever. Mm. And that just kind of like when I teach class or I lead class, <clears throat> I try to bring positions like that to, to what we're practicing. And uh, mm. yeah, so I mean, uh, you know some of the things that we've we've done because of my experience with with you at, at the hurricane has been a lot of like i've been thinking a lot about how to like you said branching that that divide between practicing the move where the guy's not giving you any resistance to sure. live sparring like branching that like putting stuff in there in between like you did at your school but also like doing positions that people wouldn't ordinarily start from, you know? Sure. sure. Um, uh, not too long ago, one of the things that we did and where people were like, this is, they were like, this is, this is different. And I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's actually a position you're in a lot. And it was the, um, the position where you, I don't even know if it has a name, but it's the position where you have your chest on the person's back. They're on their side and you got like, um, like, uh, like a gift wrap position but it's not it's not technically uh, the gift wrap <clears throat> like position, the, the chair sit position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. Because from there you can sit and take the back. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. that was something I did not too long ago with, That's with great. the team. I like and it. And we did we did all these things where we we did some practicing twenty percent, <laughs> then we did some some uh, positional sparring, and so 
uh, it was really enlightening to to hear you lead the class and see and do the things you do with your class. But um, well, what, one of the reasons that we're able to do that is because <clears throat> I would say it's it's uh, it speaks to, to the dedication of a lot of the people that we've got training with us because you I, I believe that you came on week three or week four of that unit. That's correct. So so those people, those people, the, it's 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 lucky for me to have such dedicated students because we can do that. I can just assume that people are going to be, you know, generally present for a three week block. So I know those people sitting in that room in that class that night had been around for three weeks and they saw the, 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 you know, the fundamentals of the grip and how to get there. And now on week three, it's like, okay, we've worked our way up to this and now we're just going to spend some time at the spot, you know? Um, so that's why I'm able to do that is because I can, I can, I feel like I can rely on people to be there for these long blocks. And if somebody comes in in the middle of a block, like brand new, it's like, they're going to be okay. They're going to catch the beginning of the next block. And then it's, if they come to class regularly, it's not going to happen. They won't get caught in the, in the middle of another block. again. So it's fine. Yeah. I wanted to talk about a little bit about your goal setting, what, what your thoughts are. Cause I saw you post something on Instagram and I seen you post it before. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you then uh, now that I have the opportunity what is it that you're doing exactly? What is what is what are your thoughts? What's the mindset that you're doing when you make that checklist in terms of your goals? Yeah, um, <clears throat> one of the things that was on the podcast last night, and I, I forget what the acronym stands for now, is the SMART acronym yeah. that uh, 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 one of our coaches, uh, Darla, she talked about at one of the sports psychology clinics that we had at. Um, we had like a sports performance clinic at our school that she led. Um, man, I'm a bad student. I forget exactly what it stands for, but <clears throat> Zach talks about it on the podcast. I think we actually figured out, you know, what it stood for. But basically the idea, the main idea behind it is that you want, you want realistic, um, attainable, but also sort of engaging and challenging goals that are geared toward an end. Okay. Um, so one of my goals last year that, you know, now that I, now that I look back on it was I wanted to run a, uh, like a, a six minute mile, you know? Um, and I've, I, looking back on it, um, for first of all, I never got around to doing it just cause I was busy and it was just always like at the end of my priorities list. But, um, it's, it was, it was sort of a silly thing to put on the list and I wouldn't put it back on the list because although it was, you know, attainable, but also challenging, like it really didn't funnel toward any, any end goal or any sort of dream that I've got, you know, it's like, do I run a six minute mile? Like, what is it? It's not, then my conditioning might be slightly better, but like really it, it doesn't, it's not me working toward anything. So stuff like that, I would start with a bad example of a goal, which is like, that was, to me, that was like, I look back and I go, why did I, why did I put that on the list last year? That, 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 that goes, you know, yeah. that doesn't need to make the list this year. Um, yeah. So for me, like, I just, I like to start big, big picture. I've got sections on there. I don't have it in front of me right now, but like, you know, I have like a personal life section. I've got a <clears throat> sort of personal jujitsu section, which is really my competitive goals. Uh, for, for myself. And then I've got sort of a hurricane team um, slash, you know, kind of business section at the end. Um, and I just like to think in those three categories, like, like where, 
where do I, where do I want to be with this? Like, where, like, what do I, what, what, um, what desirable future do I see for my family, you know, as the, in the personal goal section and, you know, how do you, how do you get there? It's like main thing, what do you want? And then little sub things, you know, what do you want? And then I, I make goals that are attainable, challenging, but also like easy to track. So like for, as an example, like what I wouldn't want to put on there is like, be better at paying bills. Okay. Like, you know, I'm just throwing that just as an example, like, what does that mean? You know, it's totally subjective. It's like, be better at paying bills. Like, well, okay. How much better? Like what, and what, what does that even mean? Really? Like, you you know, no more, you don't want to take out any more credit cards or you don't like, so for me, I have a specific dollar amount that I want to pay on my, my business loan, like every month. And I'm, this is, I'm picking like the most dry, boring example possible here, but like, it's just raw numbers. So it's easy to, for people to understand, yeah. like, I want to pay X amount on my business loan once a month. It's not, it's not like $30. So it's not like, it's not, um, it's not like so easy that it's just like whatever. But it's also not, I want to pay $3,000 a month on it. That's just totally unattainable. You know, it's, so you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then in my, you know, in my, um, my, uh, my, my, my competitive jujitsu section, <clears throat> I, I really try to think, you know, how many competitions am I going to go to this year? And what, what can I do given that in terms of how many victories I can have? Uh, how many submissions I could get. So I really like kind of did the math on it. I go, you know, I really like to get eight submissions this year. I'd like to go in a competition. I'd like to have eight matches where I, where I submit my opponent. You know, that would be really awesome. And I think it's attainable, but I also think it's going to be challenging. Um, And it's, and for me, like that is funneling toward the competitor that I would like to be. I'd like to be, I'd like to be a more exciting competitor who finishes more matches. And I, I think that's totally doable. It's trackable, you know? Yeah. You know, um, not not to veer off topic, uh, but one of the reasons I went to uh, Pedro's school um, back back in Chicago when when I started with you, one of the reasons I went to that school was because I at one point was looking for for schools, and I went down the list. I, I just didn't have any real way of deciding what school is good. You know, especially right. sure. You know, uh, so then what I ended up doing was I found the IBGA, uh, IBJJF website and poking around, I found a list of competitions. So mm. I said, well, there's got to be some people who compete, some people who win. So I was like, I'm going to go look at the numbers and see how many more people who compete out of which school, is, you know, how successful are they, you know? Mm. And so... Mm. I ended up picking Pedro's school because I went down the list and at one point I found black belts and I saw not only was Pedro's Pedro's name on the list, but he was winning. He sure. was like first place in everything I was looking at. And so okay. I, I, I think at the time I was able to dig into the history and I found a few other times where he competed again, getting first place. So I was just like, damn, this guy's a badass. And to a person who doesn't know any better, right? I was like, well, that's his name there. His name is on the door. I'm going to go there, you know? Sure, Um, sure. 
yep. which is you know in retrospect a little silly only because like that was my only way of measuring stuff but uh it's it's my roundabout way of giving you a compliment because uh i think being a, an instructor and competing is is probably a really difficult thing but i think it's 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 admirable because you are you are doing the thing that you're teaching you're practicing uh the thing you're you're currently in and sure. your 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 experience is is coming to the mat and just giving that much more to your students um if sure. if people are smart they they would go ahead and look at your website not that I was smart, but I'm saying like if people they would go look at your website, see that you're the head instructor, and then know that you're competing and doing well, and they would want to go to you, you know. So like that's sure. it, it, it's funny because uh, I think it was Daniel at one point uh, uh, when I was working on a website way back when. At one point, I saw a bunch of hits on his website, and I'm like, what the hell happened here? Right. Mm -hmm. So I go to him and I tell him, Hey man, like, did you do something or are we getting hacked by Russians? Like what's going on? <laughs> and, and I told him, well, like, this is, these are the days that I saw you getting a spike. And it is just it when happened. You did the, uh, the jujitsu pro league. Was that what it was? It was, it was around those times. He was, he okay, was, he, he, there was one time he, he competed and there was another <clears> time <throat> where he was just at, at a competition, you know, with, with the students, of course, yeah. shaking hands, talking to people, et cetera. And the numbers went up on the website. So yeah, uh, yeah. every time you do stuff like that, it's good for you, you know, uh, especially when there's people who want to change schools or people who are thinking seriously about, you know, jujitsu, especially during this time, you know, with, with it being the new year. Right. So, you know, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's, um, well, there are a few layers to it the first layer if I'm being totally honest is that it's, it's just quite selfish of me. I mean, I just, I really do love it. Oh, wow. um, I said on the podcast last night that I just, I can't imagine a time in my life where I won't be competing um, in, in jujitsu. Uh, I just, like I said, I, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what I would put my time into. I mean, obviously you would, you could shift it to business. You could shift it to family business and family. I, there's a lot of things you could do, but right now I'm just not in that headspace at all. Like I'm, I'm very selfishly competing. And then if there are any fringe benefits to that, um, that's just coincidental at this point. Um, but I, I would also say that I think there are, um, there are, some serious benefits to training at a school where the instructor or the instructors compete. Um, I think there are some very, like very tangible benefits and some, some obvious reasons why that's good. I think number one, it just demonstrates that the, the, the instructor or instructors, um, they just still have a passion for the, the sport, martial art, how, however they contextualize it. Like it's clear that they are still just, just emotionally mentally and physically invested in that activity i mean how could you you know i suppose you could phone it in in competition but really how could you not be you know yeah. if you're still an, an active competitor so i think that's i think that's a really big indicator that you've got people who are are who the people who are teaching you are invested i think that's that's one thing um 
you you do also get the occasional, you know, John John Donaher is an example of a guy who uh, he is no longer able to compete or even really roll with his students, um, but he, uh, um, you know, he's he's widely considered as the best jujitsu instructor alive, um, and I'm sure that's to the joy of like many wallflower black belts who don't roll or compete. They're like, see Donaher, he doesn't compete. I, he doesn't roll. Yeah. You know, I don't hear, well, it's like, but you're not Donna. Her. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that guy, that guy is some alien, you know, super genius. I had my doubts about him in the past. I've, I'm, I'm a convert. I mean, he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a revolutionary guy. Um, so, you, you know, you would get the occasional outlier an instructor who's just like, doesn't do anything live, you know, period. No, 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 no sparring, no competing. Um, but that's extremely rare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also don't, um, never liked the school where the, where the instructor doesn't spar. It's, it's just like what you're saying, what you're saying, the Donaher thing, it's, yeah. it's really rare. But if, if, if the instructor doesn't, doesn't spar with his students at the very least, I feel like there's a little bit of disconnect. I, I feel that yeah. that's when you start getting those guys who are like trying to knock you out with their chi, you know, it's just <laughs> like, dude, I don't know if this stuff really works, man. <laughs> like, like, how yeah. do I know? Like, you don't, you, you're teaching it to me, but you don't spar with me. You know, like, like, how do I know this is, you know, why don't you do it to me and then show me, you know, mm. that it works. Not that it's like any kind of like uh confrontational kind of weird thing, you know, but no, I, I but I, I understand like there's a credibility aspect to it. Right. And, and like you're yeah. saying, being invested, doing competitions thing it just it just makes you a more credible uh, instructor but uh so that is that is one of the more perilous parts of the job i think it, you know if you're really going to do this thinking about doing it as a as a as a real permanent career something that you're going to retire on one day um you have to think like that you have to think long term and that is one of the you know the scarier parts about this is you're right um there is something about an instructor who doesn't, who clearly doesn't have the functional ability. I'm just going to use functional ability as, as a very broad term for like, you know, he can kick people's asses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've trained at places where, you know, the instructor is uh, they're They're able to teach well, but they've got their applied ability. Their functional ability is ex- extremely low. Um, I don't even have a very well-formed idea on this, but there is something about it that I, I don't have a grip on that is not inspiring. Yeah. You know, um, you walk into a room and the instructor, whatever his ability is, is, you know, really just on the mats with the students sweat and he's sweaty and fingers are taped up and, you know, maybe the, the, the lip is a little bit bloody. It's like, there's there's something about that that I find inspiring, and uh, it brings up the room. I really feel like like when the when the black belt instructors are on the mat, like mixing it up with everybody, yeah, it's just there's just a bump in the energy and the excitement and the in the vibe, mm. um, and it it bums me out. Like, you know, if you, it, 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 it just, I mean. You can't, you can't train every session. You can't train every day. I don't, you know, I can't, yeah. I can't, I just train, I train. There's too many opportunities for me to train. There's no way I could train at all my classes. Um, <clears throat> but 
Yeah, there's yeah. I don't. I, it's it's an intangible thing. Then there's something about it. I I I can talk about it for a long time, but maybe never really get a grip on what it is. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know if I could describe it either. Yeah. Um But when I was a kid, long long time ago, I was at a place uh, where they had several instructors. One of the instructors, maybe a, I shouldn't say one, <clears throat> like there was like half the instructors were legit. And the other half had just been guys that have been there a long time. Okay. Uh, and there was one guy in particular, I remember, he was, he had a little ponytail, you know, he, he, you know, he thought it was cool. He would bring in some, some bongo drums to the class and this bongo drum away. And uh, every time he demonstrated a move, he would do it in such a way that it would hurt the person he's demonstrating on. Like okay. it would always, it would always be like some hop keto or weird, like flippy thing or something weird. And the guy's wrist or elbow or back or something would always, he'd always hurt the person on purpose, you know? And it was just like, dude, oh, like, okay. well, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, you're hurting the person. Like, why do you have to, you know, it's just, there's a, there's, there's at least with this guy, there was also like a, like a confidence issue you know because sure, definitely he was not sparring and the little bit he did where he touched the student he was hurting him so this is like yeah. it was weird man and for sure, for sure. and um i think it's always a it's always a a red flag when the instructor does not partake in the sparring with with the students um uh, I mean, I agree. I agree. there's, there's, there, you know, like you said, there's always reasons why a instructor can't, they're, they're injured or, you know, they've taught, you know, a hundred classes in the last three days. It makes sense, you know? Um, but when yeah. the, when the instructor doesn't, doesn't spar, there's, there's absolutely a problem there. Uh, I agree with that. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, but it's not only, it's not only spar. I also, I've said this before, but I really do think it's important to have to have sessions where you lead by example in in every aspect of the game, including something like drilling. Um, I think it's important for your students to see that you still drill, and I think it's I think it's important for the instructor to understand that they still have to drill. It's like you didn't get to a point where now you can just get by with the muscle memory you develop when you spar. It's not enough. It's, no. it's not enough to, 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 to stay good. You have to drill. Um, and if you're not, I just, there's just something about it. When you, when you see instructors who are always leaned up against the wall, they're always dry. They're not sweating. They're not drilling. They're not sparring. They never compete. I, I am not saying you can't learn uh, jujitsu from these people. Uh, you, 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 you definitely can. Um, it's just, I feel like I feel like it's important to also be inspired by the place that you train. I don't think it's enough for it to just be adequate. Otherwise, we could all train in padded boxes with YouTube pumped in through the TV. You know yeah. what I mean? It, like we could just all be in our little our little cubes and just we, we could have a few training partners and just zoom, you know, zoom practice in. You could get good at jujitsu that way, but nobody wants to. Everybody loves it when they walk in on a Monday night at my gym and there's 50 people there and the room is hot kind of stinks 
and <laughs> you know the, the the music is the music is popping really loud mm-hmm. and and people are going you yeah. know there's can you do that every day no can you do it for the rest of your life no but like that's important you know it, Dude, it really is um i didn't get to say this to you um and and i, and you I know buddy. you i love you too <laughs> I know you hate it when I compliment you, but that was one of the things I really liked about your school. Um, and not that it's not like this in other places, but like you have like the energy there is awesome. The place looks awesome. Um, the, the people are there who are there. They want to be there. Uh, they just, I know you don't like hearing this stuff, but they are very lucky to have you as an instructor and to be at a place like your school. Uh, it's, I don't think they realize um, what a, you know, what a, a treasure they have at the, at that place. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, uh, Thanks man. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we, we, I feel, I feel lucky to obviously have the place but then also to have the group of people that we have, um, it's everybody's trained at a shitty school. If you've been training long enough, I'm not saying like your main school is or was shitty, but I'm just saying everybody's walked into a place. I've got some stories about some places that I've, I've traveled to and trained where either the facility was crap or the staff was crap or the students were crap or, you know, two out of three or three out of three. Um, places that were dangerous, places that were dirty, places that were disorganized. Um, you know, if you've been training long enough, you've been to one of those places, and I've been to those places. And yeah, I, I feel I feel very lucky to have the the, the spot that we that we have. Um, it's yeah, I mean, you, you you said it. I'll take that compliment, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I feel very lucky. Yeah. So okay. So look, uh, I got to ask since we're talking about competition and stuff like this. Um, I don't know what happens to me and, uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I try not to be like this. I don't like fighting or competing emotionally. I think, um, I, I, there have been times, don't get me wrong. Like, especially when I was younger, I would, I would use anger or emotion as a fuel to kind of, you know, win, you know, win or try to, you know, get through matches or whatever. Um, I don't, for me, because I mean, it works for a lot of people. There, I mean, there are people who, who just, who need the fight. The Diaz brothers, for example, sure. are sure. a perfect example of people who are, who like to fight angry and they need sure. to hate the person that they're fighting with. Um, and, and the point is, is that, well, these guys are trying to, you know, take my head off. Like how yeah. the fuck am I supposed to show up and shake these guys' hands and, 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 uh, and act like it's just another day at the office. No, it's, you know, like, especially like what they say, it's kill or be killed or whatever. I don't like, okay. for me, myself, I don't like being like that. I like to, I try not to get in that headspace. I feel that it, it's draining in some ways. Uh, sure. Again, just for me, but there's plenty of people that works for. Uh, also, in terms of like getting there, uh, there's been times where like, like I'm, I get in that mindset. Okay, I'm going to compete. Or I'm going to get ready for a competition. I'm going to start cutting weight, or I'm going to start doing all these things, right, to warm up to whatever. The moment I lose like ten pounds, or any any weight, for example, I start becoming a fucking asshole. 
You know, I I sure. can't I can't like my family doesn't like me. Like, mm. you know, people the people I train with start getting annoyed with me. All that stuff. Is that something that happens to you? Like what what like how do you deal with the anxiety <laughs> of getting ready for 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 competition? Sure. And what is your mindset? Do you try to stay positive? Do you like using emotion? Do you get negative? Do you take do you treat the other person as as the villain in your story or is it just how do you treat the whole situation okay a lot i mean there, there are a lot of good questions there uh i would start with the first part which is to say that i think um i think you said you, you i think the, the diaz brothers is that that example is gonna illustrate this point pretty well um we can both agree that they you know they at least appear to compete angry correct yeah yeah okay so let's just accept that whether they do or not i don't know but um <clears throat> I, th I think that's probably true i think they use they use anger as as fuel and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think there's anything wrong with using anger or fear or even happiness exuberance excitement there's nothing wrong with using any emotion um to compete as long as that emotion does not produce tension Okay. So what you'll notice about the Diaz brothers, just as an example, I think it's a great example, is that they are, they do, they do fight angry. They might really get their, their opponent going, but they are never tense. They're always quite relaxed. They're very loose. It might be so, the weed. <laughs> yeah, it, hey, and if it is, <laughs> you know, if, it, if that's, uh, if that's, if that's adding to that relaxation, you know, I mean, that's, and I think that's why a lot of guys, a lot of jujitsu guys think that getting high before training is like, is where it's at. You know, um, uh -huh. I've never, I've never been a huge fan of it myself. I tried it a couple of times, not really for me, but, um, but I would say that, um, I would say that like those guys fight the way that they fight because they, they're able to stay relaxed, like given whatever emotional state that they're in. So that's what I would, that's what I would say is like, I don't really think it's a bad thing to, to, to compete angry as, as long as that anger doesn't produce a lot of tension. Because when you get tense is when you are stiff and you don't perform well and you get tired fast. Yes. Uh, you know, so that, that, that's, that's the real issue. The real issue is not that you were angry. The, the, the issue is that you were, you were very tense. Um, I've used, I've used, uh, I've used, I mean, probably all my, all my emotions like during sparring and, and, and competing. Um, but I just find that as long as I'm able to stay relaxed, like you can optimize your performance. So that'd be the first thing I would say is mm -hmm. uh, I, now for me, I don't compete angry. I, I referenced this in the podcast last night, but I really like to think of it um, just as an athletic event. You know, I like to, um, a lot of my, a lot of my cues that I use, a lot of my verbal cues and a lot of my, uh, like my audio cues, like I, I use music as a cue. Um, I will use those before strength and conditioning sessions. So I'll tell you what I mean. Um, I, I've got, I've got quite a few, um, competition playlists that I'll use before I compete. You know, so what everybody does, right? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I do is I condition, I try to condition myself for victory with those playlists. So what I'll do is before I have a strength and conditioning session with my trainer, which those are very hard, but they're also achievable. We get victories most of the time when most of the time we don't fail. Okay. Um, so I'll go through my entire Brazilian jiu-jitsu warm-up, uh, you know, in my shorts, uh, in my wrestling shoes, my rash guard. 
on the mats at Hurricane. I'll stretch out, warm up the exact same way I would before a competition. I will listen to the same playlist. I'll go through the same mantras, you know, the same verbal cues that I give myself. So I'm getting all these cues before I go over, perform athletically, work really hard and achieve a victory in that room. So I'm just conditioning myself for that. I'm just conditioning myself to go work hard and win, go work hard and win with those, those music cues and with those, with those verbal cues that I give myself. Um, so when I go to a competition and I do that same warm up and I put on my playlist, it's just like me going right back to strength and conditioning. I go into athlete mode, athlete mode, athlete mode. And then I just go and I perform. I'm never mad at the guy. It would be like being mad at a treadmill. It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of, that for me is the, is the optimal mindset, like a very, a very assertive, very relaxed uh, mindset where for me, it's just, it's just athletics. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I, um, there, I try to think of it myself, like kind of what you're saying. I don't think of it exactly in those words. I just think of it. Okay. I'm, I'm serious now. Right. I'm not fucking around. I'm cutting the, I'm cutting the fat on whatever I'm doing, all the movements. It's, I'm not, I'm not playing. Uh, I'm not trying new things. I'm not, I'm, I'm serious now. This is business. That's, I just, that's how I think of it myself. Um, but there are moments that will trigger emotions. I feel that it's just something that comes from, from fighting in the past or, you know, competing in the past where I did use emotion, where someone does something that I should, that I could take offensive uh, Mm. or, or offend, uh, I could be offended by. Sure. Sure. Um, like one time I was competing, this one guy put his knee on my, on my neck or on my, on my head. Yeah. It was, it was, I, I, I had, I had, uh, uh, turtled up and mm. this guy decided to put his, his knee on my head. I, I took offense to it and got pissed off. And, um, I felt that sometimes, especially for me, uh, getting emotional about stuff, I lose track of what the goal is. So like I got out of whatever it was and I remember being like, I got, I got up and I, I could have done something a little more efficient in terms of like trying to get to a better, more superior position. Instead, we now we're, we're up and we're neutral. And all mm-hmm. I can think about is, is like, if I would have just kept my cool, I would be in a better position. And so um, just in terms of, just in general, are they, th- are, does that sometimes happen to you? Like in competition, does the the emotions get the better of you in the middle of com- of competing, or do you just you, you don't take offense to anything? You're just there. You do, you're doing business. So I guess the qu- the question is, uh, do I ever find myself uh, distracted in competition? You know, in some way. Uh, and the answer is, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always had a, a hard, probably a harder time than the average person with like with focus, uh, in school, I had a hard time with it. Um, I, I can definitely, my attention can be, can be drawn, you know, it's, it's possible. Um, but I've also got some, some pretty useful sports psych tools to bring my attention back to whatever it is that I want to focus on. Um, so if, if the person does something, if, if I'm competing and, and my, my opponent does something that's very abrupt or painful or offensive or, intimidating, whatever the case may be. Um, I just have certain, again, just verbal cues, 
uh, mantras, uh, um, affirmations that I'll just that can just help bring me back to what it is that I'm that I'm doing. Um, one of just so as an example, one of my one of my older ones that I don't really use anymore, that I used a lot um, uh, in, in some past competitions, uh, would be I really try to think of the way that I feel when I'm doing really really well. Like, how does it feel to be in sort of a flow state when you're sparring? Uh, what does it feel like to be doing everything that you want to do, stopping everything the other person wants to do, and just sort of having a perfect round? Well, for me, it always just felt like I could see everything. And it's the only way that, that, that I, could, I could really phrase it in a short way. Like, I just felt like I could see everything, you know, like Neo in the Matrix, right? Yeah. Um, so that became the mantra that would draw my attention back to what I was doing. If I felt distracted or intimidated or, uh, um, you know, nervous or, or angry or overexcited, I see everything. That's it. I would just say that's my, I see everything. And obviously not out loud, but I'm just kind of saying in my mind, I would say that. And, and it would just, you know, through some practice and conditioning, um, it would really bring my attention back to what I was doing and, and would help get you closer to that, to that flow state. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I definitely experienced that, um, but I also have tools to like help mitigate it. That's interesting. I never even thought about using uh, a mantra like that to to keep me focused in the middle of competition. I've used them. <laughs> so, I've used them myself in training. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. but never in the middle of competition. I, I mean, I have them, I, and I have them even for different moments, like when I'm feeling really tired. Um, I have, I have a few things that I say to myself, um, you know, I've got a few phrases that I'll say to myself and I practice this when I'm on, you know, the treadmill at like a 10 degree incline and I'm running sprints or when I'm pushing sleds or when I'm on the fan bike and you know, my trainer's killing me. I, I know that I'm going to be that tired or close to that tired in a match. So I take that as an opportunity again to condition myself and practice practice those mantras for those moments if i if i'm waiting for the 30 second interval to end or i'm like oh shit the session's another 12 minutes long or oh my god my heart's beating really fast i just come back to you know a few choice phrases that make me feel um you know just focused and centered again yeah. um like yeah, i mean when, when you when you when you like when you're having a really good role at the gym you know like you're just having a great day I mean, how do you, how does that make you feel? Yeah, you feel, it just, you feel good, right? I mean, inside okay. you feel like, I guess in my, uh, the only word I can think of is, is I, I feel perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, so that right there, I mean, you could, you could try to bring that, that into your, into your training. I mean, like run some rounds where you're, you're getting to the point of, you know, discomfort exhaustion and then when you're thinking about how tired you are and how much longer you have to go just really try to run that phrase in your mind you know or some variation of it you know it's mm -hmm. uh, you know, um but it's useful it's very helpful yeah but, it's, I mean, but like anything else it takes practice and when it doesn't work the first time or the second time for people they tend to throw that throw that tool away but it's mm -hmm. just something you have to work on you know i, ca I can't imagine people throwing it away i mean uh people hey. People, I mean, everybody knows the Mayweather mantra. It's just uh, hard work, dedication, right? I mean, okay, okay. Like, why, 
you know, like why that, I mean, I've used it, you know, like it's amazing, like hard work, dedication in the middle of, of a grinding workout, you know, saying something like that. Yes. Saying something like that, a mantra, like you're saying, it helps you push through. Right. So, yeah, uh, sure. but it, it never occurred to me to use it in the middle of, of, um, of a distracting round. Um, uh, the other part of the question that I threw at you was in camp. Mm. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Do you, do you get, do you get like, I get like a little pissy with people like, cause as things, I mean, and most fighters as well uh, mentioned that they don't like to be around their family while they're in fight mm. camp because sure. they start getting a little pissy, right? They start getting, uh, anxious there's that anxiety right there's all these things Mm kind of coming in and they're not the nicest people are you uh yeah i would say a few things about that i would i'm a very selfish competitor in that um i don't like to help people warm up i don't like people to help me warm up i i prefer um to just find i always like to find a section of the building that is is sort of private and kind of walled off like i don't like i I like to be in like i know it sounds very specific but like i've been doing this for a long time and i just know what i like now Mm -hmm. so i like to i I like to really find a spot that's secluded quiet away from the competition area if possible and then small like a smaller room if possible than you know as opposed to being like a big gymnasium i don't know why i just like it Mm -hmm. that prevents me from being a good coach in those moments so often uh unless it's unavoidable i won't compete when my team is competing um that'll change if i take everybody to like an IBJJF event I mean, we've we've traveled of course i've, I've got to be a team player uh in that moment but like at local competitions like i just i don't feel like competing on those days like i've got my coach's hat on i've got 30 or you know close to 40 athletes in some cases um out out there and like i don't no no interest no motivation whatsoever to compete on those days mm. um so i guess that's that's just sort of one thing so i i am very i am very selfish uh when i compete um <clears throat> you'd sort of referenced the crabbiness of calorie deficits and cutting weight um so now i suppose we can get into that which is this is a deep one um so I've, I've moved up. I've, I used to be an IBJJF featherweight, um, which would be if, if so people can just understand if they don't really know the game, you're basically weighing about 149 pounds that day. Mm-hmm. Then you add the weight of, you add the weight of, of a gi and it goes up to 154 and that's the weight limit. But, but for all intents and purposes, I'm at, I'm at 149. Okay. Um, then that just sort of became too painful given my genetics and I moved to lightweight for all intents and purposes, lightweight is going to be, you're about 162, 163 pounds the day of. Okay. Mm. I'm now at middleweight. Okay. For, for this, you're basically going to be weighing 175 pounds the day of. Now, the reason I'm saying all that is because I'm trying to illustrate the point that I, I do not cut weight anymore. Um, and I'm also now encouraging my athletes, even my, like my young athletes to not cut weight. Um, mm-hmm. I want them, I want them to eat. I want them to do strength training. I want them to do conditioning. I want them to roll and I want them to feel very fed, 
very hydrated, very strong and very heavy. Like that's, that's what I want. Um, there, there are, I'm, I'm sure instances where pe- the leaner people get the better they perform, but I'm experiencing the opposite thing. Like my, my weight has never been higher. My body fat percentage has never been higher and I'm, I'm performing better than I ever have before. And it's because I have a, I have a trainer who is, he is focused not on like being ripped or like body fat percentages or getting to the lightest weight class possible. He's he's got, he's got a a college wrestling background as well. He's Mm -hmm. still not focused on getting to that light weight class. It is all about performance. How fast are you, how fast and how efficient and how powerful are you moving your body and like how fast, powerful and efficient are you moving objects around you? How fast are you moving your weights, your sleds, you know, how fast are you running? It's just how, how, and most importantly, like when you go and practice your sport, how, uh, just how well are you performing in the training room? And for me, all those metrics like have gone up despite the fact that I'm, you know, I mean, I'm now, like I said, bigger and I have a higher body fat percentage than I ever have. Like I was murdering myself going all the way down to 149, mm-hmm. you know, that's over 25 pounds ago. And I'm not a big guy, you know? Um, So what I would say is I am quite pleasant to be around because I am not dehydrated. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not in a calorie deficit. Uh Um, I I feel, I feel strong and fed. And and now when I go to middleweight, I mean, I'm stepping on the scale and I'm I'm three pounds under, you know, Mm. sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm drinking Gatorades. I'm eating, I'm eating full meals. I feel, I feel very strong. Um, and I'm performing better than I ever was. So I think that, I think, I hope, I think, and I hope that the weight cut is, is, is going away. You know, I really, I really hope. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I have a uh, selfish reason for asking you about your weight cut. Um, only, okay. only because uh, me and, and the, <clears throat> the other fellow idiots on this podcast that I, that, that do this with me sometimes uh, we're doing a little competition right oh, cool. okay. and so we got all the little tubbier guys on the show to compete for this belt we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get okay. this belt cool and and we're all trying to lose 10 percent of our body weight starting on the first Damn, so dude. um okay. so it's, it's a bunch of fatties and okay. we're all gonna cut weight so i agree with you 100 percent uh, if if you're an athlete and uh, you should you should you know stay basically and, and, and compete at the weight that you're walking around at or at least close to uh, unless you're a fatty like myself uh, <laughs> where you could you know stand to lose a few pounds that's a different topic but okay uh, but yeah so like so like uh part of the stuff that's going to be happening with this with this uh competition is there's going to be a lot of shit talking there's going to be sure. a lot of angry We're- angry dudes talking shit to each other online and there's going to yeah. be some probably angry wives on top of that too. Um, yeah. but that, that's one of the reasons I bring it up because, um, you know, uh, I've done stuff like this with them before and you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not exactly the most pleasant around our families <laughs> during okay, this sure, time. Sure. So yeah. but like during fight camp, that's, uh, that's interesting, man. That's good to hear that when you don't have to cut weight, you're not as uh, unpleasant. Uh, 
it makes me think that maybe the weight cut is what makes people angry. Cause I mean, I thought maybe part of it too is the anxiety. It is, the, it is, it is for sure. And I just don't, I just don't have anxiety around competing anymore. Mm, that's interesting. I, I'm not, now, now I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that I don't get nervous. Um, everybody gets nervous. If people tell you that they don't get nervous, they're lying. I mean, it's yeah. really that simple. They're lying to themselves or they're lying to you or both. Um, I don't care if it's a local competition. I don't care if it's a fight for the UFC title. Everybody gets nervous to a certain degree before combat sports. And it would be, going back to a word I used a lot last night, totally insincere to say otherwise. Yeah. You know I mean, everybody gets nervous. Absolutely. And, and, that, there's no, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Yeah, I don't understand the people who, I, I, you know, it's dishonest. I, honestly, I, I like for you to say that you're not nervous. Everybody feels a little nervousness. It's funny because uh, at one point I was getting ready for a competition. I went to go see the doctor and the doctor's like, your heart rate is elevated. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you're not careful, you're going, we're going to have to start giving you pills and stuff. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. In two weeks, you know, I'm going to be competing in this thing. And she's like, well, it, it shouldn't be elevated. And I was like, no, it's just a little. And first off, it's just like, cause I'm thinking about this thing, you know? Yeah. And so sure. it's just, it was just like, you know, I'm fine. Like I went not too long ago. She was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, I know there's nothing wrong with you because there's no fucking competition anytime soon. You know? mm, right. Yeah. yeah. I would say that, I would say that that's one thing that that's really gone away from me is the, the, the anxiety and built up expectation around like a competition, say this weekend, you know, mm. like you've got like, you, everybody's like, oh, fight week, you know, but um, if I had an MMA fight it would certainly be a different story. I'm sure I would have a lot of anxiety, but it's, for me, it's, it's, I've been doing, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu might be intimidating to some people, but for me, it's just, I've been doing it for so long. Um, I don't get that fight week anxiety um, in any any significant way. So I'm not a pain in the ass to be around because of, of like fight week anxiety or fight month anxiety. I just don't, I don't feel I'm very, I'm excited to go compete. You know, everybody gets butterflies at the venue. If you don't, yeah. you actually might, you, you really might want to just sort of check your head and figure out why it is you're not excited for this anymore or nervous for this anymore. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's, I, I have a, I have a way of framing and looking at competition now that just doesn't produce any anxiety for me. I feel like I've, um, I've accomplished enough to where like, I don't need to prove anything to anybody, but at the same time, like I just still some stuff I want to prove to myself, you know? So that's kind of, that's a relief. I mean, I, I, I think it, years past, I probably got a little more anxious during, but now not so much. So you think it's just the experience, like having competed as much as you have, mm. That no, maybe it, maybe it it, it kind of took the edge off a little bit. Thankfully, it it does, but it's still it's like it's the way that I that I frame the competition in my mind. So I I talked to one of my instructors about this. Um, he's uh, uh, Travis is one of our brown belts. Great great um, great jujitsu practitioner. Yeah, I like Travis. He's cool, man. If you want to follow him on Instagram, he is at Travjitsu. So follow him, check out his videos, he's got some cool stuff, but he's, great, um, yeah. he's, he's awesome. But you know, he, uh, I think sometimes like he, uh, it, it means a lot to him to, to compete well, you know, he's very again, sincere in that regard. Um, but one thing that I, I sort of drew, like I drew it on a, um, uh, like a, uh, like a, a dry erase board the other day, let's see if I could draw this backwards. 
because it's kind of useful to have a visual. Do you mind if I do this? Do you mind if yeah, I like, draw something? Yeah, I wasn't planning it. on doing it, but I just saw my wife has a, uh, I'm at her desk right now. Mm-hmm. And, and she's got a pen and paper here. So you don't have to draw it right. backwards. I see you forwards. I see. Oh, you do? Oh, yes. sick. Oh, that, that makes it so much easier for me. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I was going to draw it backwards. <laughs> I should have just let like, you draw it backwards just for fun. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, how, how am I going to put this together backwards right now? All right. So, so I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw if, if you, if you'll be able to see it, I'm going to draw what basically looks like, like a, a quick timeline. And then we can, we can talk about it. So I'm going to put a starting point down here for the people who might just be listening. And then I'm gonna draw a long line and a little bit of an arrow, okay? Now, I'm also gonna put, you know, a few hash marks on this so you can see how this might break up. And then we're gonna put like, you know, Naga is a pretty uh, 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 well-known competition. So I'm gonna put Naga at the end of this. That's the last little slash on the chart. The first one is going to be today, okay? if you can see this okay yeah. is that coming through well enough check that out can you yeah, are today, you seeing it yeah i see today and i see naga and i see about five little tick marks on your so timeline these, so i'm just going to keep this held up okay for the do people watch the video these usually do you think or i i oh, usually we'll i usually yeah but no i'll we can so we can take a screenshot or something so the way that the way that i think most people will look at this is there's here's today and then here's naga your competition and then what do we have here We've got a series of dates, you know, weeks leading up to the event. So you're like, you know, this week I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, oh, we got a taper for fight week and fight week. And here we are. And then we have our competition. And here, what's this? This is the big moment, right? Right. Here's the big moment where you perform or you win or you lose or you fail or you feel like shit or you feel really happy. This Mm -hmm. is that moment right here. Okay. So. The way that I tell my, the way that I, I, I talk to, to Travis about this, and I've, I've used this with, uh, with plenty of other people as well, is I want you to look at it like this. Okay. So do you see here? You see the C today? Yeah. Do you see any, anything else on this chart? There's no tick marks. It's just today. Right. So I'm going to put, now I'm going to put Naga on here. Okay. We got a few more here. So this is how you should think about it. Bottom line is how you should think about it. Oh, I see. You see what I'm doing here? Yeah. So the so- idea is, the idea is not Naga is just, you know, if we have Naga in four weeks, that is just one tiny <clears throat> little stop along this 10, 15, 20 year jujitsu journey we've got here. And however it is that we that we train or get ready for it that's just how we're just we're, we're always we're always super focused we're always dialed in we're always training efficiently and we're you know sometimes training hard but basically we're all we're always ready to compete and naga in four weeks if you have a tournament in four weeks that's just that's stop number two on you know this 1000 stop train that we're on and when you when you think of it like that, when you think like this is just one little moment, um, it just takes it takes all that anxiety away because you're not building it up to this one pinnacle moment in your life. You know what I mean? You're you're 
you're training hard for it and you're, you're recognizing that it's important to you and you want to do well, but you're also recognizing that this is just one moment out of hundreds, just like this, that you're going to have, you know, that that's very helpful for a lot of people, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I, I mean, I like part of, I mean, maybe because I'm a masochist part of, <laughs> Part of uh, the anxiety uh, I kind of need in competition because uh, I don't, I I don't get to like. I mean, there was a time where I was like, I get so nauseous, mm-hmm. I get so you know anxious that I I couldn't even function. You know, the day of the match. Sure. But um, I've gotten I've gotten to the point where, not that I compete all that often anymore, but. I, I got to the point where it was, it's something I kind of needed to let me know that I'm competing. I think, uh, sure, sure, of course. I, I, I appreciate what you got there though. Cause I mean, there are times where it's just like, okay, I am too nervous. This is mm-hmm. too much, you know, like I need to bring it down. So having sure. something like that to kind of, kind of take the edge off would be. So the, th- you know, so the thing is like, I would never, I would never grab, an athlete and show them any of this if they if they were like an outstanding competitor already Mm. like when you do something like that all you're doing is coaching so you can coach and so everybody around you can see what a great coach you are Mm -hmm. if you have an athlete that performs well your it is your obligation to leave that person alone you know what i mean like so Mm. if if i have if i have a guy who's just killing it at every single competition yeah i certainly I'll certainly let them know that like, I'm really happy with what they did. I'm proud of what they did. And a lot of these guys will be like, what do I, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to fix? And I go, dude, you're, you're sailing on a perfect course. Mm -hmm. Why would I blow on? Why would I blow on your sail? Why would I do that? You know what I mean? Like I'm not, but, but for people, there are people who need to, who need to hear things like this Uh and you know, they, they, they do find it helpful. So I guess the, the, the question, the question to you would be like, are you, I've never seen you compete. So like, are you satisfied with the way that you've competed with this buildup and with this anxiety? Uh, Or do you feel like you have a lot of room to improve somewhere in the middle? Like, how do you feel about it? I mean, uh, just, just for me, uh, uh, never been the best competitor uh, competitor. I I think, I don't know what it is. I think it's just, uh, uh, it might just come down more to, uh, how ready I am for the competition in terms of having having the things in my head ready to go. Uh, I don't think nerves are as much as an I- issue for me anymore. If anything, yeah. I could probably use more nerves, speaking to me, uh, only because uh, I, I just don't um, – there has been times where it's uh, – I'm, I'm more worried about getting injured. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's sure. that's kind of like that's uh I got some really bad knees. Um sure. and uh sometimes I feel like they're a hair away from just you know snapping. Uh so that's it, so that I mean that's that's fear. Yeah. And there's nothing there's there's I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with being afraid. I guess my question is like, do you feel like do you feel like that fear create does that fear create tension and apprehension for you that affects your, your, your performance. You know what? I never thought about it, but probably, probably that's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Probably because I don't, uh, uh, 
unless unless I know that that what I'm doing is is safe for me, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll t- I'll take in consideration the person I'm 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 going with. Of course, yeah. Um, I don't want I don't I don't do the thing like if I'm going to go for a throw and I know the throw is off is off a little it's it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah, I won't follow through with it. I'll pull back and, and try something else. Uh, only because I'm more afraid of not 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 of the failing. The failing, I'm not afraid. If I fall on the floor and you know he gets my back or something. If I go for a sure. hip toss, for example, and he takes my back, that's fine. I'm not I'm not worried about that. But if I go for a hip toss and something happens where I like I bust my knee or I feel like the knee's off a little bit, that I will I will stop right in the middle of it and, and just yeah. push him away and go back. But that happens, I think, more often than it should. Um, okay. Just in maybe even in sparring, you know, yeah. uh, I play a, a really safe game uh, only because, again, I, I want to be able to show up the next day. I want to be able to go to work the next day, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, and yeah. there and there are some younger guys who can who can give it a little more than I can. And uh, they, I'm really aware of it. I think maybe even overly aware of it. When I roll, when I compete, when I do anything. Yeah, so I would say I would say in terms of, of competing, I mean some people some people can just tape up an injury or brace an injury and then they can set they can they can set it aside for various reasons. Maybe it's not that severe of an injury, or maybe they can just sort of compartmentalize and block it out. And that's fine if those if those people go compete. They're still risking additional injury, but you know, that's, that's a, a separate conversation. Um, if I was your coach and you were telling me about your knee, you know, the, the, the weeks prior to a competition, I would, I would tell you, um, I don't want you to compete because what you're going to do is you're going to, if you feel this much trepidation, given this injury, then you are going to create a very cautious habit. When you go to compete, you're going to go there and you're going to be thinking about your knee and then you are going to compete in a way that is, you're going to compete in a way that's cautious. And then that's your experience uh, in that competition. And that sort of goes into the, the bank and it, it affects the confidence in the future. I would, I would, I would say, you know, if you really do, if you really do want to continue to compete, like if competing is on your list of things to do, dedicate, take a little time away from, uh, a few hours away from jujitsu and put it into just making that knee bulletproof through mm-hmm. strength and conditioning, rehab, a combination of those things, maybe a, a um, you know, aggressive icing routine, some type of injection, just make sure that that thing is that you're confident in that because man, you've got like, you've got to be confident in like your equipment and, yeah. you know, g- given your sport. And in, in this case, your equipment is your body, you know, but it'd be like going into a, like a hockey game with a cracked with a cracked hockey stick, yeah. or like dull or dull skates. You know, it's like you know you're you're gonna it's gonna be on your mind. You know. And on the other side of that, how often do fighters competitors compete at a hundred percent? It's it's almost sure. It's you're right. it's yeah. not it's not unusual for a person to go in <clears throat> into a fight or into a competition with some kind of injury. But the, totally, I mean, totally, there, totally. Are, there yeah, are totally. levels to the injury, right? I mean, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, uh, dislocated finger is different than a possible, you know, 
uh, ACL tear, right? So I mean, I, cur- I currently have uh, uh, like a, a cartilage tear in my wrist, and I've, I've the doctor advised me to just not get it surgically repaired until it became a real problem. And currently, it's not a real problem. Um, and it's just the type of thing that I'm just because of the nature of the injury, I'm able to tape it up and then compete at a hundred percent. I can do that now. Um, but if it were worse or, you know, like my disposition was just a little bit different or I was more risk averse, you know, um, I'm, I just might not be able to compete with it, but like this, this is an injury. I mean, you can hear it. It clicks quite loud. Okay. <laughs> um, it, and, and it's just, um, but, but it's, it's just the type of thing that I can, I can take up and, and still be at a hundred percent. What you don't want is you don't want to have an injury where you are consciously, you consciously feel compromised. Yeah. That's not good. You don't, you don't want to compete like that. You know, and it mm. sounds like, it sounds like you're, you like, you're really, worry that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna twist or turn and hurt that knee pretty bad so so what i have is uh i have um i have some thinning of the of the tendons in my knee uh i've 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 played with the wrong (laughs) leg locker Uh, and uh this guy um went too far and popped my knees i've got uh, also some tear in the meniscus, which is not a big deal. It just makes sure. it difficult for me to kneel. The tear okay. in the meniscus, not a big deal. The the kind of tears that, that occurred in the one knee make it so that when I, uh, sometimes when I stand, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll kind of pop, you okay. know? So there is, there is like, when I step, there could be a, a point where the knee kind of, kind of, settles wrong when I step, when I put my weight on it. And for example, uh, thinking about like the example I gave where I am uh, going in for a hip toss. If I step and that knee sits wrong when I step, I'm just going to abandon the hip toss and come back out, you know, and hopefully not get my back taken in the process. But uh, it's just an example. But I mean, uh, and I don't want to make this like a personal counseling session. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be like competing anytime soon. I'm already. I'm. I'm aware of the problems with my knee, and I'm totally not mm-hmm. in a point in a position where I would com- compete. Uh, maybe. Maybe okay. later in the year I would. Yeah. But uh, maybe you're just abs- find like a find like a really like sturdy brace that you're that you're that you're comfortable with. Like I'm just a step one. I mean, just uh, maybe you're already doing that. I don't know, but I mean, um, yeah. that can help a lot. I've I've adjusted my my game to to protect the knee. Mm, okay. So so for example, one of the things that happens uh, again, not to get too much into myself, but like one of the things that I do is like if someone goes, if I got someone in my guard, and they try real hard to push out, my knee will will turn, like the leg yeah. will turn. Oh boy! And it just grind in there. Yeah. The the moment someone tries to do that, just try to muscle out of the guard. I just open and sweep them some other different that's way. Fine. That's that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I I've done a lot to kind of play play a game that that goes around protecting the knee. So okay. Um, okay. Uh, am at a point where I can compete? I don't know because the the takedown is one of the places. The takedown or just the the stand up part of it is where I think it the knee is more at danger of something happening. That and possibly a, you know, a leg locker of some sort, right? Okay, um, 
sure, sure. But like, I'm more. I get it, man. I understand. Yeah, I'm more worried. I'm more worried about that kind of stuff. But yeah. Anyway, um, one last question before we go. You okay. just mentioned MMA. Mm-hmm. Would Would you ever consider fighting MMA? Is that something that's no. in, on your mind? No. 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 I. I. I um. I've I've had a couple of concussions from jujitsu, um, and that so I mean just to put it quickly, I mean that's just not for me. Um, I as you know, uh, Viana Brothers years ago, um, when 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 it was primarily Pedro running the school, um, we had you know we had Brazilian jujitsu class, and then really no gi class was MMA class. Um, I mean it was all really contextualized around being able to strike when you're on the ground. I mean, that's, mm. that's what most of those classes were. I mean, he would show a combination from the feet transition to a takedown and then, you know, some sort of pass to submission or ground and pound. Um, that's what those no classes were like. I would say that I got, I thought early on, I thought like it would be dope to, to uh, take a fight. Like I went to a couple local events, uh, I actually cornered a couple guys who fought. I was kind of the grappling corner and after seeing it up close and how violent it was, and then experiencing getting punched in the face myself, and then you know having a few concussions, um, I can say without any shame or blow to my ego that like that's just not for me. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, it would would it would it be a really incredible experience? Yeah. So like the pain, if it was just the pain and the exhaustion. Um, I would do it for me. It's the brain trauma. Like if there were, if somehow there were no, there was no brain trauma or there was a brain trauma pill that you could take after the fight that was perfect. Like I I'd be in, but, um, no, for me, it's just, I want to have my facilities in order when I'm 80 years old. I, I I still want to be, you know, doing something cool. I still want to be able to talk and remember things and yeah, head trauma's not for me. Yeah. Uh, I, at least from my experience, uh, because I I I was a like my first martial art was kickboxing and boxing mm-hmm. uh, before I ever showed up at uh, with the Viana brothers or at Pedro School. Sure. So for me, my experience is that it takes a long time for for you to get somewhere like that. But I won't. I mean, not that I was ever like a a great striker, but you know, I have a little trouble with memory. You know, mm-hmm. um, okay. it's not it's not severe. You know, but there are times where I'm. You know, it's a little harder for me to get words out. You know, okay, it's not noticeable. I don't think to people, but I know, I know the guys you're talking about. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. I have, I have friends that that don't know how to stop, and uh, and yeah. it's just like I think that's one of the things that's scary about getting hit or being a fighter of that of that kind is that you get to a point where it's like you don't know you don't know when to stop. You know, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. You know, you're not climbing the ladder anymore. Ah, you're, you're you're a journeyman of some sort at best. And you're still taking shots to the head, man. Like or or even worse, I, I shouldn't say even worse, but uh you're you're allowing someone that you're teaching punch you in the head for the sake of them learning. And they could be some guy that's just gonna, you know, quit in a couple of years and go continue clicking away on a keyboard someplace. Like it's, uh, it's not, 
I, I, I think that the, the value that you're bringing to them is not equal to the, the devaluing that you're doing to your brain. And I agree. It's not, it's not worth it. Um, yeah. For me, it's just, it's just all centered around that, that the head trauma. That, that's really it. I mean, that's the only reason <laughs> it seems like kind of a, like a duh thing. It's like the only reason it's a pretty big part of the game, but yeah, I don't mind the act like getting punched in the face, although painful is not that painful. Yeah. But to the, the, yeah, the, the concussion symptoms, I, it's just not for me, man. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, it, it's weird because, uh, I would tell you, like, if you were just going to do the one, I would, I would say just do the one, but like it somehow it becomes like, like potato chips for some people. It's just like, they just can't do the one. They end up doing another. And uh, then another. I feel like if I, if I did one, I would be hooked, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know. Uh, or um, you do that one to knock it off your bucket list and, and the, the guy shins you in the head and you're, you're never quite the same. I, dude, I had a really bad concussion when mm. I was a kid, when I, yeah. when I was, when I was, when I was young, um, when I was maybe, I don't know, eight years old or 10 years old. Like I, I, I fell off the rings in gym class. Like we were doing like a gymnastics unit in gym class. And I, I sort of slipped off the rings at like the high point of the arc. And I fell on the right side of my head head first on the like the hardwood basketball court gymnasium floor and i lost like 10 minutes you know couldn't remember i woke up in like the nurse's office throwing up and they had to take me to the hospital and i i don't know i mean i wonder sometimes what what i would be like <laughs> had i not experienced that what my personality uh, would be like yeah you know i don't know i don't know but that's I, that's I, crazy that's, it's, it's a horrible feel you know yeah I've never had that um, feeling, and I've been knocked out. I've been knocked out, uh, I think, maybe a couple of times, but I've never had that loss of time. Like, oh. one time one time, yeah. I, I got knocked out. It was weird. Like, I got knocked out. The lights were off. I still knew where I was. I just couldn't control anything. It was like they turned off mm -hmm. the lights. Yeah. And and like and then when I hit the ground, everything turned back on. I was just like, God damn it, that sucked, you know. Uh, but it wasn't like it. It, it was weird because I know my eyes were open. I know right. my like I know where my legs were. All I could do was um, actually what ended up happening in in one situation. I got knocked out standing up, and I couldn't see. I couldn't move my legs or my arms really. All I could do was walk backwards. And I bounced off the ropes. And when I bounced off the ropes, I came back and I was just like, whoa. Oh, and I was just like, okay. all right, man, that's it. I'm done. You know, <laughs> like by sure, then I was yeah. older and I knew better. And I was just like, okay, we're done. That's that's it, man. I'm good. I'm good. You know? Yeah. And he's just like, are you sure? It's just like, you seem okay. I'm like, nah, I got, I just got knocked out. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, and I, and I kept myself away from sparring for, for uh, maybe a month after that. But then I, you know. Okay. Maybe a couple of years later, I, I figured like, what's the point? What am I doing here? Like, I'm. Yeah, I, I agree. I got to like I think thirty eight or something, and I'm like, why am I still sparring? You know. I think I think I think of a person, you know, I, I think if they understand the risks, like they really get it. I mean, it's 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 ultimately their, their decision to make. I mean, just for me, it's just that's 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 an easy that's an easy choice for me. You know. Yeah. I like yeah. my brain. Oh yeah, I like being smart. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, man. Well, do you have anything else you, you want to say before we go? You got anything you want to plug? Uh, you got your podcast that you just released uh, recently, and I listened to a little bit of it. I'm going to finish after this. No, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're on Instagram, um, I try to post interesting content. My handle is at hurricanejj.com, but, um, or no, I'm sorry, just at hurricanejj. Um, mm-hmm. No, there's nothing, man. I mean, between last night, you know, rapping about jujitsu and tonight, I mean, if you had more topics, and you probably do, I mean, I could go for another two hours, but I'm going to get my kids in bed and do family stuff. So, yeah, it, it, we've we've done a little bit under two hours, under two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably so. like an hour 30 once I cut it all up. How many more questions you got on that pad? Uh, I think I got I think I hit all of them. Nothing, nothing else we can do real short. Uh, hold on. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> it's going to go. It's going to get deep. Oh, I have one more. Okay. We'll, we'll, uh, try, we'll try to let, we'll try to limit it to five minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to ask what are the current trends you're seeing in terms of, uh, on the competition floor, uh, in terms of jujitsu, you know how for a while there leg locks were really hot. What's the hot thing that you're seeing that people should look out for, um, going forward? Yeah, I would, well, I would say that I don't think leg locks are done being hot. Um, I think I actually think the leg lock game, as far as I've been watching, it's there, there's still a, an evolution happening. Um, a lot of people are playing this position called the false reap. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I have not um, heard of the false reap. What is that like? It, it's it would be way too hard to explain. Oh, look it um, up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's it's a bit of a knot. Uh, mm. But but there there in their positions, there are variations of that position within. Um, so that, that I, I still see the Nogi leg lock game evolving. I don't think it's done. Um, I think that's still going to be a really dominant strategy, or, or I should just say a really uh, pervasive strategy in uh, uh, submission grappling and Nogi grappling. And then both Gi and Nogi, but maybe a little more geared toward Gi, uh, some of the, the Barambolo, but also more importantly, the the rear crab ride uh x hook and twister hook thing that i'm working with travis that seems to be um that seems to be uh still a very uh in vogue tool uh in uh gi brazilian jiu-jitsu um i'm trying to think of anything else that's emergent i don't know the gi is just it's that it's a very deep game you know Mm. i think it's why some people some people don't like it because it is it does offer some sort of these uh, artificial options not the right word but um yeah it can just get very convoluted we've talked about like worm garden stuff before um yeah. but anyway yeah i think um i think that the barambolo uh, uh rear crab ride x hook uh, twister hook thing i think that's going to be that's that's going to continue to um uh to be pretty popular and then like i said nogi leg locks i think that's going to be popping for a while too okay yeah because i've i've seen like the leg lock game just continue to evolve and just get more yeah. and more crazy. And uh, I, I'm, I, I, it's, it's something that I really like watching. I really like, I think I find it really, really interesting. Yeah. And is. I'm, and I'm super afraid of, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> you sure. know, um, but it's uh, it, that is a fantastic game. I am not one of those inverted players i don't sure i'm not a fan of the beating bolo but i i do find sure. it important to know because you don't you don't want to be caught by someone playing beating bolo or any of that stuff 
you, you need to know it, especially if you're going to compete, right? I mean, you need to know it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, at, at minimum, I think you should be both as a competitor and an instructor, you should be familiar with the, with the basic offense from those positions. So at minimum, you can counter, you know, at minimum, you can teach your students about, about it and about, about how to defend it, you know, but mm -hmm. to, to ignore it and deny its validity and existence is very short-sighted. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's valid. Um, I just, I don't care for it more because of what we talked about last time in terms of uh, like spine health and, sure. and, and posture and stuff. I don't, I, for me, especially, I don't like what it does to my neck. Uh, so I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I like yeah. to play a, a safer game. I play an old man game, basically. This is what it comes down okay. to. You know, I, I, it's, it's very slow. You see me coming and I'm going to dare you to try to stop me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cool, man. But that's, that's about it. Right. I'm not going to do anything fancy. I'm not going to somersault over you like one of the Mendez brothers or something weird. Sure. You know? Sure. Uh, so, but that's that's the game I play, and and going inverted and doing stuff that that will do something like I'm at at worst or at best depends on what you what you how you look at it. I might I might do uh, I don't know some some Eddie Bravo rubber guard nonsense, but sure. even that like we've we've discussed that. Uh, uh, yeah. I try I've tried to lay off of that as well again because of the pressure they could put on your on your back yeah sure but anyway man thank you so much can we do this yeah. again i i love having I, you on the podcast man yeah I just, yeah, yeah i, no, I, I hate to the, bug you but if, if i could have i would have you at least four or five times a year but i mean <laughs> i think um i think like this week it was really easy for me obviously because my school's closed uh -huh. um but um yeah, under under normal circumstances, like I said, usually like on a you know Thursday or something, I could squeeze it in. But you got to come out again, man. Come out and and let's do one. Uh, let's do one in person. Let's 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 do some. Give me a heads up on the weekend. We'll do some training and um and then we'll we'll sit down at Hurricane. We've been doing this. Uh, we're we're going to start doing this thing where we have uh, a guest student on the on the podcast, just yeah. sort of like you know. So we got me and we have like a sort of a host type and then you know student will come on and fire off some questions and offer you know a unique perspective we did that that's what we did last night with zach he's one of those, one of the uh white belt students at hurricane so yeah dude cool. i would love to come down and, and maybe do a podcast on your podcast uh if you have i'm happy now i'm happy just to blow up your podcast because i'm not <laughs> in the pod i'm not in the podcast business no <laughs> all right that's that's cool man whatever um also i mean and you can say no if 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 you don't want but like uh some of the guys at, at the school i'm at listen to the podcast episodes oh, cool. where you were on and they want to yeah. come down to your school and see it and meet you and all that stuff so yeah no that's that'd be cool dope. you know yeah. you know yeah, yeah, I bring mean, it down. That'd be sweet. yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes they're all married dudes it might happen it might not happen mm -hmm. but you know i know how that goes yeah i understand <laughs> Everybody, right. everybody wants to. Everybody wants to go until there's a date set. They're like, uh, no, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I, can't. Yeah. I gotta mow the lawn. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. All right, man. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you and uh, giving your time and uh, and your knowledge. Uh, thanks so much, man. For sure. All right. This is Edgar Travis on the Floral Podcast with Black Belt Jiu-Jitsu instructor John Lawrence from Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu over in Cleveland. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.
The song you're listening to is called Bop Bop Bop, and it's by Bonkers Beat Club. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. And if you do head on over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description. So there you have it, man. John really laid down a lot of knowledge. I could have talked to that guy for another two hours easily, easily. And, and I mean what I say when I told him that I got so much out of being at his school. It was really enlightening. And he's such an honest person in terms of him telling me where he gets his knowledge, that he studies other people. It's refreshing. It's very refreshing. Now, if you're interested in heading over to John's school, you can find all that information that you need from him at HurricaneJJ.com. Also, make sure you follow John on Instagram under the name Hurricane.JJ. Very knowledgeable guy. He's also got a YouTube channel. Don't worry. I will put all that stuff in the description so you'll be able to follow him. I will put links to DPS Breakdowns and Trav Jitsu in the description so that you can follow those guys too since he mentioned them on the podcast i follow those guys those guys are great and don't you forget to follow me edgar otraves under the name edgar otraves and don't forget to follow the podcast under the name the flow roll all on instagram you can find us all there and don't forget to like subscribe comment and share wherever you get your podcasts at and press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening. This is Edgar Otra Vez, and we will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Later.